This is exactly right. Hi, I'm Erin Welsh. And I'm Erin Almond Updike, and we're the hosts of This Podcast Will Kill You on Exactly Right. We're back with our seventh season, which is bigger and better than ever. Because guess what? We're now a weekly show. This season, we're tackling everything from long COVID to norovirus, from the supplement industry to IVF, and so, so much more. New episodes drop every single Tuesday. Follow This Podcast Will Kill You wherever you get your podcasts. Hello. Good morning. Good morning and welcome to your favorite morning talk show. My favorite murder. The morning talk show that screams in your face to wake get you down. up. Get down. Get down. Get up. <laughs> get up. Get down. Get back down. Get back up again. And then you're like, what? What do they want from me? We want just, we want a, just a couple crunches. <laughs> easy. Yeah. Simple. Just to wake you up. Fun. Fun and easy. Get the blood going. Yeah. Burpees. Get to fucking start burping. <laughs> <laughs> what if burpees were not an exercise, but just belching? I would be a fucking Olympian. <laughs> you, you absolutely I would. would. You'd be internationally known. Mm. Um, are burpees the ones where you jump up and go down into a push up mm-hmm, and jump up? Because mm-hmm. I was thinking of herkies, which is a cheerleading jump. Oh, God. Where you kind of look like a check, you turn your body into like a check mark. Check. And I was going to be like, wouldn't <laughs> that be great. It doesn't work. It's such <laughs> like, a pain. Like, oh, and you mean your legs go forward? Check. One leg goes straight out. Uh huh. And then the other leg comes up in, your knee comes to your chest. Don't say that. That's just back problems for your life. It's like this, but in the air. Okay. Take it from me. Everyone at home, I'm way up in the air. <laughs> um, she just she just showed me one in the middle of the living room. It was amazing. Also, what am I talking about? I don't fucking know technically what a herky is. Like You're a cheerleader? It's like I'm trying to get people to email us about things. <laughs> I was a cheerleader, by the way. Oh, my God. I was a song leader junior year of high school. Oh, my God. Those we- were the ones that, like, did routine. Well, we we were a small school, so we only had a certain amount of people anyway. But, you know, we did dance routines sure. to Janet Jackson's control. Sure. It's all um, about control. It's all about control. That's the only one I remember. <laughs> Um, just that we had, you know, gloves that were white on the inside oh, and blue on the outside. What? You're like blowing my mind. So then you do a lot of this and you'd switch it. Like a clown. White to blue. Like a mime, but white, blue, white, blue, white, blue. Oh, and then one is this way and one is this way. So it's white, blue. That's right. Then change it up. And then boom. And then change it up. Yeah. Five, six, seven, eight. And uh, and uh, change uh, uh, it up. Uh, uh. And then this is my favorite murder. Put your gloves up by your face. Are they white or are they blue? <laughs> okay, this is one of my favorite parts about having this podcast is I get random texts from my beautiful friends who listen to it, who take the time to listen to it. Oh, wow. 
And then, but they're, they sometimes can be months behind. (laughs) So the other day, my beautiful friend, Sam Pancake, that's his real name, Mm. who is, who plays Dorothy in the live Golden Girls that I told you about and love so much. I have the mug. Thank you for being a cunt (laughs) that you got me. It's still at Casita Del Campo. They started a new run of it. It's amazing. You really should go. But he sent me a text and all it said was fingers and faces. (laughs) And it made me laugh so hard. Fingers and faces. Is the best beauty shop name the best worst beauty shop We've name of all time ever heard of just cut to the basics fingers beauty and faces. faces from the live orlando Go show, show. Boo. Boo. remember when White. we were at the live White. orlando show and i'm sitting there reading my mur- whatever one of us is reading a murder and i just see in the audience <laughs> whatever fucking production had happened the night before Maybe it was, who could it have been? Let's say someone like not too big, not too small, but so you've heard of them. Maybe, um, let's see. It could have been, you know, it could have been at like, um, who's the, you might as well be walking on the sun. <laughs> Smash Mouth. Thank you, Stephen. <laughs> Maybe it was Smash Mouth. You might as well be walking on the sun. <laughs> That's for all the of. good it'll do you. Uh, you might as well. <laughs> might as well. One sad fucking confetti piece that had been sitting there since the night before slowly falls into this lovely lady's lap in the front row that's right i was just like it's like she was blessed or she's dead i don't know i mean it could have been the death confetti it could have been the death confetti it could have been so many things Dottie, what's Do- is Dottie arranging papers upstairs Dottie's digging uh an inanimate object <laughs> Gotti, you go for it. You've been sedentary all day. The joy. Okay, we can cut that. Out. The joy of kittens. The joy of kittens. Joy. Fuck sex. The joy of kittens. <laughs> that's the illustrated book you need to yeah. be reading. Do you know I have the joy of sex? Do you, I have an old copy. I found it at a used bookstore, and I was like, "Well, I'm absolutely buying this." <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody? Did anybody write in it? I don't know. Do they write in it? <laughs> I mean, that's what. That's the first thing I would look for. Is like somebody folded up a piece of paper and stuck it inside. Somebody, like, try, try this, this with Gary. Try this. Maybe Gary will love you. Now. Ask Gary to please do this. <laughs> All I know is that we got me and my friend Katie Newberger, who lived down the street. Mm-hmm. She's the one whose family had llamas, and they had the old abandoned house on their property. With oh the, yeah, yeah, with yeah, the yeah, bills yeah. and the walls. Yeah. Um, I believe I'm almost positive it was at her house that we looked through that book because her mom was also a nurse, uh-huh. and it was so we were starting to look at it like ooh yeah and the illustrations are so technical yeah. and like anatomical that we got bummed out very yeah, quickly it's We're not like, interesting maybe we should just go swimming instead it's like and i said this last week i talked about reductress and their hilarious t-shirts but they have one that's like you know when you see like a cow and it shows you the cuts of beef there's yeah. one that's a vagina and it says the cuts of vagina oh, no <laughs> and this is just like the cuts <laughs> it's just in that style that's hilarious i just saw one of theirs on twitter and it said girl who promised not to tell anybody only told two people (laughs) and then it's it the picture is so funny because it's a girl whose face is right next to a bunch of flowers like she's all smiling all proud Uh, that's (laughs) me what about what about bitch uh this bitch brought loose leaf tea to a fucking food donation (laughs) thing it's just like some fuck you can tell this bitch is like some hippie bitch who doesn't wear makeup because she's gorgeous not because she yeah yeah this bitch loose leaf tea uh (laughs) what about where did i come from do you remember that book oh yes dude with the fucking guy who looks like george costanza yes and his wife actually looks like george costanza's parents 
And it's showing them having a baby, and I, my mind was blown. Well, what about the part? There is a part where they're explaining to their child about sex, and it's like he—they basically say they rub on each other really fast yeah. or something. And I just remember staring. Stephen's gonna have a nervous breakdown. <laughs> Stephen can't talk. Staring about sex. at Stephen. <laughs> staring Steven. at Stephen. Uh, sex. I don't know what that is. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you. It's when two fat little cartoons rub against each other. It was very, like, I remember staring at it and just being like, it can't be this. Yeah, sex isn't just friction, right? It it can't be this. (laughs) Just this little man. Oh, yeah. It was very confusing. It was a confusing time, the 80s. The 80s and that age and, like, before you know and then what you think you know and then when you find out. And how funny it is. But you still can't get rid of the things you thought you knew. So it is still a little that. And the thing I thought I knew is God can see me and it's wrong. God can see you, but he's into it. What? <laughs> Sorry, blasphemy. Is that what they're teaching in the temple? <laughs> God damn it. Uh, shit. Well, oh, I'm going to fuck. hell. Is there hell? I'm going there. You don't think there's hell. Goodbye. <laughs> uh, no. Goodbye, hell. There's something. Bye, hell. Goodbye, hell. See you. Deuces, hell. Peace out, motherfucker. <laughs> Um, what do you have that's sweet to talk about? Uh, let's see. Besides friction, frictional sex. <laughs> Besides describing <laughs> sex cartoons from the 70s. Uh, well, this is a great email we got. Oh. Hi, ladies. This is from Aaron. Hi, ladies. I was at the second Balboa Theater show back in October. That's San Diego, mm-hmm. right? And was happy to get a chance um, to listen to that first show that was recently posted. Oh, it's not fun. <laughs> of course, I do immediately Google the Betty Broderick murder house. It's right down the street from Ooh. me and up for sale. Ooh. Some great realtor spin too. quote, a home rich in history. <laughs> Shut up. Um, Cause you have to tell, right? It says have $2.5 million lying around. $2.5 million live in San Diego house. Yeah. <gasps> and then she, she listed it. I could say the address, right? Cause sure. it's an empty house. Yeah. I mean, like, or just it, say what street it's on. It's on Cypress Avenue. Oh, where Van Morrison lives. Um, <laughs> that was a deep cut. Um, yeah. Wow. That's kind of hilarious. Would you, not, would you move into a place if like murders had happened there? Would you care? Like, would you take have pause and ask your girlfriends over drinks or like, would you be cool with it? I think it just depends on the house. Like if it I think you'd have I would have to go in and like feel it out. But if it was some really old house. Yeah, I don't know. Let's say like in the 80s or 90s even, there was a murder. Even the 2000s, heard of them? I want to, you know what? I'm being cavalier right now because I want to say I would, but I just thought of the first night in that house and I would just be out of my mind. I feel like I would be fine, but I bet I wouldn't. I want, Any yeah. noise you heard, yeah. though. But I don't care. I don't hear that. Do you? I mean... But if you... Alone in the house. I mean, anything. I feel like Vince would be more creeped out than I would, and I would pretend that I was saying no to the house on his behalf, but really it'd be because <laughs> I was freaked out too, but I couldn't admit it because I have a murder podcast. Yes, that's right. You have to use him as a human shield. Always. And you can. Always. And he can use me that's whenever right. he wants. When he hates wrestling and can't talk about it. Right. He's really painted himself into a wrestling corner. He has to love it for the rest of his life. He, There is no fucking doubt in my mind that that person, Vince Averill, the love of my life, will love wrestling for the rest <laughs> of his life. He's going to two shows in the next two days. And is like, he really? Yeah. He's, it's, there's no worry. You know what's really hilarious? So many people that I follow on Twitter love wrestling that I, I feel like I have a good historical back 
blog knowledge of i mean people post stuff you should start your own wrestling podcast yeah you know what i will (laughs) i'm gonna call it my favorite wrestling podcast (laughs) (laughs) i went home after our last recording and watched the (gasps) end of the fucking world dude on netflix it's such a good you have to watch it it's everything georgia said it was and more it's i binged it all at once it i forgot to mention that thing so i was saying wes anderson harold and maude my friend Dahmer almost a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just so gorgeous. It's really it? well done. It's just those Brits. They know how to do some storytelling and, and some character development. humor. Yes. Oh, it's so good. But those kids are such good actors. Amazing. Such uh, epic. I, I never want to watch teens do anything. And no. these teens were, were the exception. They were for sure. so. It's such a good show. I yeah. I watch it. The end of the fucking world. Um, was he that kid whose dad was like, my son's missing, and the cops were like, he's probably a runaway, and then I was like, fuck that shit, and hired a fucking helicopter and found his kids crashed in a car in a ravine, no. still alive 30 hours later. Shit, so like, a couple of his kids were trapped in the no, car? No, it was just his son. By himself? He, yeah. Fucking oh my found god. And the helicopter, search, 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 found the kid crashed in a fucking ravine, still alive 30 hours later. He's like, holy shit. This kid's not a fucking runaway. I thought you were gonna um, mention the um, alive, still alive. The kid was found alive. Yeah. Yes, he's, he survived. Yeah. I thought you were going to talk about the three kids that escaped the house in Riverside County. Oh, Jesus. That uh, were 12, like children between the ages of 9 and 27 chained to a wall. It was like 14 kids. Yes, and, and they're, they're so all... emaciated they couldn't tell how old they were. Uh, in Riverside. And also the... Um, my friend Karen Anderson's the one who told me to look at it and she goes the data is so upsetting it looks like Jeff Daniels and Dumber to Dumb and Dumber oh, no. and he totally has the weirdest yeah. bangs like page boy haircut it's very disturbing the parents look very problematic yeah then and have proven to be right those poor children like to be able to still in prison a 27 year old means you've had some fucking lifelong uh conditioning of this Poor kid. I'll tell you that when a kid knocked on their door, I bet you, this is my theory, Mm -hmm. a kid going around trying to sell like magazines or something and knocked on that door. Whoever opened that door, whatever the smell was, Mm. that kid was like, sorry, I forgot something on my bike and Uh, ran away. Like, don't, don't you think a house like that, it would just be like, like one weird candle in the, in the background and everything else is dark. How many? Yeah. Or did they have the perfect veneer and like no one could tell? Yeah, probably not. I want. You gotta know. lose. I mean, you can't. You gotta lose that veneer after a few kids. After the eleventh child just chained to the wall. Yeah. Fuck. Jesus Christ. Okay. All right. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant, like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could, as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient. Made in cookware. Made in was created to bring restaurant quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Maiden. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of made in products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. 
What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill. If you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom, it's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made-in, made-in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. You're first this week? I guess I am, yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. You were first last week. Okay. Okay, so... (laughs) <laughs> I have uh, been on my couch. I sprained my oh, right. ankle on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Tell everyone. I saw the bruise. It's fucked up. It's, um, I rolled my ankle. I've already sprained both my ankles twice. This is not, I don't find talking about medical problems interesting at all. But this was kind of great because I was walking my dogs with my friend Don. He said, Hey, didn't, did they redo that house? I look over my shoulder mm. like it's a Gina Tay commercial, walking the dog <laughs> one direction, but looking backwards. Oh, and I'm like, that me- house over there. And just step like on the edge of the cement uh, where the cement meets the grass, uh, roll my ankle, uh, listen to it snap. My friend Don, who was behind me, said that it turned at a 90 degree angle. Uh, and then I went down. He said it looked like I looked like a stunt woman. I went like... I went down like hand, hip, leg. <gasps> yeah. Like in hand, a perfect hip, line. Leg. He really liked it. But um, it, I knew immediately that it was bad. Yeah. And so I just got up and went in and kept You were it. like, couch, goodbye. Yes. Ice, uh, elevated, iced, whatever. So um, <laughs> tonight is the first night I've gone out and like driven. Oh, no. It was fine. If it's, if I keep it like, you know. Yeah wrapped in static so what? you've had a long time to study <laughs> your i just murder. got really caught up in telling that whole story i'm like oh yeah that's right i'm trying to talk about this <laughs> so i've been laying in front on the couch uh-huh. now i'm talking about that as if kind of a dream what it's kind of a dream well also i do it anyway <laughs> what i realized is this sprained ankle just made me go you have to stop living like your ankle is sprained all the time <laughs> you have to stop it so once your ankle is not sprained <laughs> Start living. Le- leave the house. Yeah. Go ahead and yeah. walk somewhere. Because you know what? 
I guarantee there'll be sprained ankles in the future where you're going to be like, I wish I had lived my life outside of this. Yes. I always would know that I'd be back here at some point you, enjoying a sprained ankle. The couch is forever. You yeah. might as well go get up go, and move around while ahead. you can. Go and ahead. I feel like uh, my body, because I'm so indignant and I'm so like defiance disorder based. Yeah. I feel like my body has to sprain my ankle like every eight months just, just to be yes. like up off the couch now. Or get you really sick to be like, wouldn't you love to not be here? right now on yes. the fucking couch stop living like you're sick and all of your joints don't work okay but since i was okay there is a netflix movie uh-huh. called murder on the cape Ew. i don't know if you've seen it it of course immediately came up when it went on to yeah. netflix in my suggestions netflix knows us What's amazing about it, because I was, and I think you and I talked about this a little bit, but I got really addicted to those Hallmark Christmas movies over Christmas because my sister kept putting them on as a joke, but then we'd watch them for real. (laughs) I love that. And it was always what Christmas is for. It is, right? Because it's, you get like some hot chocolate. We're all sitting on the couch and then it's just make fun of TV. It's blather. Yeah. It's, it's a guy in a huge sweater. Yeah. Pretending he works at a Christmas tree farm. Right. But and, really. And it's always then it's like, oh, she's really smart and type A, but she had to come to this small town mm-hmm. to do something. So, okay. <laughs> so I see murder on the Cape and I'm like, that doesn't look like an actual movie. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't look good. And I'm like, and also, I wonder which murder on which cape this is. It checked all your boxes. Right? What's the the thing? It herked all your boxes. It it herkied right into all my boxes. (laughs) But, so I looked it up online first before I actually, I didn't want to watch it cold. I didn't want to waste my time. And the first thing that came up was an article on Decider, the website Decider, (laughs) called... And the headline was Murder on the Cape is a bonkers crime story based on a true story. (gasps) So they had already watched it and reviewed it and were like, this thing is like the room, basically. So I stopped reading that article because I didn't want to like, in case I had some of the same thoughts, I I want to say that I just read the headline and then the the beginning, the description, I was like, okay, I'm there. Not plagiarizing this. Yes, The word bonkers is amazing. Bonkers is my favorite Why isn't that used more? It's so funny. My friend Eric Dodorian on Twitter changed his name to Linda K. Bonkers, and I laugh every time I see it. Um, okay. Okay. So this, and I highly recommend that you do your uh, substance of choice, and that can be the Bible. It can be a glass of water. But but do something to get yourself in the mood to accept what the television is giving you. You could pour a glass of water on the Bible. That could be your thing. <laughs> and then light it on fire. <laughs> But what you should do is yeah. get some white wine, white wine or ginger ale and Southern Comfort. Okay. You. How about some Malibu coconut liqueur okay. and a Fanta. Okay. Lime. Okay. Got it. Fanta lime and some. And then a twist of lemon. <laughs> um, <laughs> whatever it needs Karen's, Karen's just talking about her, her deathbed wish. That seriously, I'm <laughs> that like, whole... make me a grasshopper. <laughs> Ugh. I almost had when when the Hawaiian um, right. nuclear strike thing came to her, I was like, I mean, I might as well just. <laughs> it's really bad. Uh, but anyway, point being, we I mean, we all get it, right? Yeah, I'm gonna be back on that or off that wagon the second I have a valid governmental reason. The minute it happens, I'm gonna come over and be like, Hey, what you doing? <laughs> 
<laughs> with one of those huge bottles of champagne. Yeah, well, I'm not going to bring it. I'm going to let you because I don't want to enable you. Oh, you're just going to discover me. Like, hey, hi. Just wanted to check in on you. And then you're going to be like, that's weird. I guess I have champagne too. Yeah. It's going to be a champagne party. Um, okay, so Murder on the Cape, the made for Netflix movie is quite something and i highly recommend you watch it it is very much like the room meets a uh it's almost for me i would actually say more it's not so bad as the room Mm -hmm. but there are definitely actors where you say did you like acting before your friend decided to make this movie (laughs) or is this something that was like you wanted to do that this weekend along with your friend who decided to make this movie Uh there's a lot of people making big choices taking huge swings um really going for it uh-huh. you, there's a lot i can i could see in my mind's eye these actors going hey hey chuck or whoever the director mm-hmm. is i'm really gonna go for it this time they're like this is what acting is ready yeah i'm i'm gonna kick my leg and do a dance for some reason yeah. that doesn't actually connect with what my character's doing oh my in the scene god um so that's cool the lead guy I feel like I saw somewhere that it, somebody in this movie is was in a soap opera at some time. Oh, that makes sense. I didn't recognize anybody. Wow. And the story, the way the murder on the Cape story is told, is very much against the victim, in my opinion. <gasps> it's very much making her look like she tricked him in. Like, and then I thought, oh, I should actually look this up and see if there's somebody that was in the real case that is connected Ooh. with writing this movie. Because it's just just median quality enough so pretty much anyone could have written it fucking conspiracy theory on the cape i mean you never know you have to watch it but she it's like she tricked him into sleeping with her and then she tricked him into getting her pregnant and then she it and then like and she, and she was a big him flirt him yeah there's her. it's it's a it's a very problematic Fuck. presentation so then i looked up the actual story because i'm like that story sounds familiar but it does not look familiar in yeah. murder on the cape Right. And granted that they open it up by saying this is based on a true story, but I don't think they claim it is exact. Okay. Okay. So here's the real story. Okay. And then you can hear this story, process it and the horror of it, then like clear your palate Mm -hmm. and then go back and watch that thing as its own separate thing. Pour your glass of water on the Bible and and then go watch it. Click. Yeah. Turn that TV on. Okay. So this all takes place in a town called Truro, Massachusetts, mm-hmm. which I reminded myself just, it's like you're saying churro yeah. with a T. So it's Truro. T? Truro? T-R-U-R-O, I believe. Oh, whatever. That's not it. Churro. That's not a word. <laughs> the word is I'm churro. already mad at it. <laughs> okay, so it's 1997, and this is a tiny fishing village basically at the very top of cape cod and it's busy in the summer obviously with vacationers but then in the winter it's dead and Mm -hmm. it's really cold um except for all the fishermen and the families that live there right obviously um and a woman named krista worthington uh moves there in 1997 she was a very successful um at the time 40 year old fashion writer Mm. uh she's written for l harper's women's wear daily the new york times she's also co-authored um books on fashion she's a successful writer and she had been writing um 
internationally. She'd been doing stuff in Europe and basically living a very high stress kind of high fashion lifestyle. Yeah. And so she wanted to get away from that and go up to the Cape. So her family, she came from a very prominent family and her family owned a lot of different, um, uh, houses and places in Truro. Mm-hmm. Um, she, when she moved there, she moved into a pink bungalow that was right next to the Harbor Master's shack. Um, and, uh, a couple months later, she moved out of that and into a, a larger house that her family owned, a really beautiful cottage. Mm, um, sign me up. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, looking at these places in the, there's a 48 hours that, it, one of the main ones I watched mm-hmm. is a 48 hours, eight hours all about it. And they just keep showing clips of like a, a ship just kind of going around <laughs> yeah. like along the coastline mm. and like, but you know, an icebreaker. It's just like awesome looking. However, two weeks till you're bored out of your fucking mind. I mean, 20 bucks, you know, you got to have your Netflix. Sure. Got maybe like some crossword puzzles. You know, Wi-Fi is spotty out there. Yeah, that's true. That would make you nuts, right? You'd get, you'd be getting on that jitney back into town a couple, a bunch of times. <laughs> is there a jitney from Massachusetts? I've never heard Manhattan? that word before, so I couldn't tell you. Jitney is a word I learned from my New York friends. They jump onto it to take. To, it's like a little bus that drives strictly to like the Hamptons or something. Oh, from Manhattan Ooh. or some like summer. It's the summertime jitney. Okay. You go out to the beach. Okay. Uh. <laughs> um, all right. So on January 6th, 2002, um, at f- uh, 20 to 5 in the afternoon, a guy named Tim Arnold, who is um, Krista Whittington's neighbor ac- on the other side of the woods, um, drops by her house uh, to return a flashlight. And inside, he finds her dead body. Mm. She's been stabbed. Um, on the left side of the chest, um, and she's on the kitchen floor. Her two-year-old daughter, Ava, Mm-mm. is there next to her, mm. clutching her. Mm. Um, two years old. So, yeah. She's been with the body for a while. Um, Tim grabs up at Ava and runs out, calls 911. Um, police come. They find that Chris has been stabbed through the chest. It, the knife missed her heart. It pierced her lung and she bled out on the kitchen floor. Oh my God. Um, uh, this murder is the first murder that Truro has seen in 30 years. So Holy like n- nothing happens in this tiny town anyway, yeah. and like nothing like this. So of course everyone's freaking out, and um, you know they later on the defense lawyer will claim that the EMTs were sloppy and 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 um, compromised the crime scene. Mm-hmm. They did throw a blanket over Krista's body mm. uh, when they got there to cover her up. Um, she'd been raped. Um, <sighs> And luckily, the police did find DNA on her body that they ended up sending to the lab. Okay. Um, so they knew that there was somebody else's DNA on the body, and that could be a good lead. Um, unfortunately, the lab was insanely backed up. It was 1997. Yeah. So this was like, you know. Um, so they start talking to the people in Krista's life. They talk to Tim Arnold, the neighbor. They find out he wasn't just her neighbor. He was also her ex-boyfriend. They dated Uh for about a year. He says he has nothing to do with her death. Um, 
then in talking to her friends, they find out that Ava's father is a married man who uh, was born and raised in Truro. Um, and his name is Tony Jacket. Yeah, what the fuck? Why do we keep getting these names? <laughs> Jesus. Now, it does have two T's. But, I mean, that's right on par with Jimmy Buttons in Jimmy terms of a noun name. Buttons, jacket, there's an onion. onion. I mean, it well, just is, if if this was writing, it would be lazy, but it's not. Yeah. It's just how it happens. Oh my so, it turns out Tony Jacket, he's lived in Truro all his life. I'm only going to call him Tony Jacket the whole time. <laughs> um, and he has six kids. He's married, Fuck. but... Um, and this is in the 48 hours and by his mm-hmm. own account, he saw Krista when she moved into that pink bungalow right by the Harbor Master shack because he was working there as the fishing warden. In the 48 hours, he calls himself the fishing warden. An article I found on abcnews.com referred to him, and I'm not joking, Uh-oh. as the shellfish constable. What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> now, I don't know if that writer for abcnews.com was bored and just being funny or just reading cartoons it sounds like a cartoon or or pitching an idea for spongebob squarepants (laughs) episode yes where the shellfish constable rolls into town the same thought (laughs) if that's a cartoon name it totally is um in the movie the netflix film murder on the cape the character that plays tony jacket's character uh-huh. is very ashamed to be the shellfish constable and he's oh. he was i think a contractor and he couldn't get work and so this was his way of like because they were they're you know having financial the family was yeah. having financial problems he has six kids jesus seriously so he had to you know take the job anyway as he's working as a shellfish constable he sees krista this beautiful, very, you know, um, very fashionable, very, you know, all the pictures of her. She's just a gorgeous woman. Mm-hmm. And um, he's immediately, they immediately hit it off and are attracted to each other. And so she's ha- like this high society. He's just like gruff, smelly, local. but kind of hot local, probably. Yes. He's very, um, he looks like he should have been like a third string character in The Sopranos. He has like hmm. big lips and squinty eyes and mm-hmm. like combed back hair. Mm-hmm. Very kind of like Mambo Italiano. Uh-huh. I can't explain it. Got it. And I'm not against it. I'll say that. <laughs> um, <laughs> not judging. Like, get yours. Get uh, your sea constable or whatever. Get the fuck. your shellfish constable Italian piece. D. Um, okay. So she, when they first get together, Krista tells Tony she can't have kids. She's been told she can't have kids. Mm-hmm. Um, they have their affair for a year. Um, they end up breaking up. In the film Murder on the Cape, they make it look like she won't leave him alone and is like always trying to be in his business and finding him at the grocery store and stuff where I'm like, prove that. Yeah. It seems like she had plenty of dudes yeah. in her life and it wasn't and like she needed desperate fucking for this romaine one. lettuce. Where else is she going to go? And it's a tiny, t- yeah. truly tiny town. Right. Um, like I run into my fucking ex at the grocery store and this is fucking Los Angeles. Like for real. Not, maybe he's stalking me. I actually can't, don't run into my ex. I have never run into anyone I didn't want to run into in this no. town. I swear. And I why I have to knock on wood now. Why? Knock on wood. Why would I ever say that out loud? I don't know. I just want like open the nightmare door, basically. <laughs> Ooh, next week's gonna be fun when we talk about who you run into. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I better start wearing so much mascara. All of the makeup. Constant, constant makeup. It'll be so different. Okay. <laughs> Uh, 
basically she comes to him and says i'm pregnant and it's your baby Mm -hmm. and he's like you told me you couldn't have babies and then she's like well it's a miracle and that's why i'm keeping it i don't care what you say and i don't you don't need to be a part of it yeah and he's he said in the 48 hours he was like i was dumbfounded and he kind of thought she tricked him um but she goes on and has her life and starts to raise her bait her daughter ava herself um but at some point uh, she asked Tony not only to pay child support, um, but she wants him to tell his wife mm-hmm. that he has a daughter. Mm. So Tony actually ends up, Tony Jacket ends up telling his wife of like how many years of six kids mm. and years that he had an affair and now he has this daughter. Jackets. The jackets. Fa- <laughs> the jackets. Come um, off. The jackets had to come off that night. Um, so, so basically his wife, Susan, of course, is very upset at first and livid at him. But then it basically they all, she ends up meeting Krista Mm -hmm. and Krista comes over for dinner and brings the baby and they start to make it work. Susan! Susan herself tells the story in the 48 hours. Women are the best people. Women are just like, this is a kid that is not gonna like have her life be bad because of because of because of fucking jackets over here because of captain jacket <laughs> that i fucking married <laughs> oh man so so and she says she actually liked her um wow, and basically amazing i know but ba- but also susan provides tony's alibi he he was home with her the night of of krista's death okay so the police are like it's all a little weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then they also discover Krista was having issues with her 72-year-old father. Um, they were, you know, as I said, like this prominent family. And apparently the 72-year-old father um, ha- now had a 29-year-old girlfriend. What? Her name yeah. was Elizabeth Porter. Um, she had been a sex worker and she had been a heroin addict. And now she had gotten her life together and she was dating the love of her life, 72-year-old. Dad, you're embarrassing me. And Krista was like, you are spending too much money yeah. on this woman. And then they cut, in the 48 hours, they fucking do a hard cut to this woman, Elizabeth Porter, walking down mm. like a courtroom thing. And she goes, y'all like to take pictures of me, don't ya? And she has like this oh. insane cigarette voice. Ah. And she's just yelling at all the cameras at once. Oh like, my God. Not handling her shit at all so he wasn't like no i've met this classy dame and listen i'm not talking shit on her being a sex worker or a heroin addict date a sex worker and heroin addict but a 29 year old and a 72 year old don't belong together i mean you don't know any of the same references no you don't use any of the same emojis no or or hair products or gifts or anything or you don't listen to the same podcast (laughs) i mean overall the rule is don't date someone younger than your children yes I'm mad Please. at the dad for being a fucking creepazoid. But I mean, I know a lot of people that have had that happen where they're like, and now my stepmom's no, younger than me. That's just an like an obvious no. I know. I shouldn't say a lot of people. Yeah. I know one person. That'd be and great if you knew a lot of people. I, <laughs> I would be so impressed. These are the tiny ways I constantly lie. It just comes out as a lot of people, and I'm like, just the one. But you're not hurting anyone because I'm like, cool, <laughs> tell me. But <laughs> So that was actually, they were like, well, this, this could actually be, oh. 
if she because she was complaining to her father and basically saying stop spending out. money cut her off so then and you know so it it does become and it sounded like it was this thing where this is a, almost like a vacation town it's the elite the people Jesus. with the money in the town and then the people who make the town go right and they all kind of hate each other i mean you it could it all could get real you know yeah who knows them. so the police are just like it can be anybody so sh- they're thinking dad's girlfriend hired someone to kill her maybe or they're just looking at that girlfriend that she doesn't okay. have the best background and she would have reason to get rid of her to be like yeah, yeah. i want to keep my money source open thank god my dad is poor because I mean, otherwise it does solve a lot of problems. It, yeah. No one's going to date. No 29 year old's going to date him unless they're in love with him and they have my fucking blessing. And that's nice. I know. That would be nice. But I'm happy. Marty. Okay. Marty. So, um, they get the police. There's so much going on now and there's so many suspects. The police go to the FBI to get help and to get a profile drawn up. The profile that the FBI gives them doesn't help them. It does. They don't have anybody that matches it. Um, finally, a year after um, Chris's murder, lab results come back and they find out the DNA that they found on her body doesn't match any of these suspects. So none of these ex-boyfriends, no, nobody. And they're like, what the fuck? So they have to start all over again. So what they des- decide to do is ask for the DNA of every man who lives in Truro. Holy shit. And... There's a reporter in this 40 hours who was like the reporter from day one who was t- no told his whole story. Yeah. And he was like, well, then that was just crazy. And then it just you clearly they have nothing and they're just like right. trying to do whatever. But how many men? How many men are we talking? Um, I don't know offhand. Sorry. I should. I w- normally I would have lied, but I caught let's myself. Let's say 1500. Let's just go ahead with 15,000 because <laughs> it's fun and it's a it's a good number. Um. It's a really small town. Okay. Let's say 200. Okay. <laughs> Let's say t- between two and 109,000. Great. Okay. So two and a half years later, the DA, Michael O'Keefe, announces they've gotten a match back <laughs> from the DNA. And some idiot killer gave them their DNA. Yeah, well, yes. <gasps> and it leads to the arrest of a suspect named Christopher McGowan. He is her garbage man. <gasps> so police first bring him in for questioning. The police say, do you know Krista Worthington? He says, no, I just know she's a stop on my, on my garbage mm-hmm. route, but I've never met her and I don't know her. Mm-hmm. And um, they say, okay, well, we found your DNA on her body. Mm-hmm. Now, what do you have to say? Yeah. And he says, well, actually, I went to her house um, on Thursday, which is the day that he his he picks up the garbage at her house. Mm-hmm. And then I went inside and we had consensual sex. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, he he says he went back Friday, had sex with her, then beat her. But his friend Jeremy Fraser was there. His friend Jeremy Fraser started beating her up, and then he left. And Jeremy Fraser is the one that stayed and killed her. What? Well, the police are like, well, that's a great story, except for Jeremy Frey, your friend, Jeremy Frazier, your good friend that you're setting up no for this way. murder. None of his DNA is anywhere in the house. And he's, there's no way to prove that he was ever anywhere there. Oh, my God. And so then basically, after a six hour interrogation, he signs a waiver that says he doesn't want a lawyer. And then he confesses mm. to the murder. Um, so this guy does the same guy, Christopher McGowan, okay. the garbage man. Okay. So. 
basically the prosecution that so the trial starts the prosecution tells everybody that christopher mcgowan went out uh with his friend jeremy frazier and they got drunk um and then at 1 a.m he drives up to her house rapes her and kills her But Christopher McGowan's defense attorney is a guy named Bob George. He claims Krista had consensual f- sex with McGowan on Thursday, the day he brought he picked up the garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, then he left, and that her murder took place somewhere between Thursday and then when her body was found on Sunday, and that it, his client had nothing to do with it. God damn it. Um, he also suggested that Christopher McGowan and Krista Worthington could have been having a consensual affair for a while and that it was just the elitists of this town that didn't believe that a white woman um who is this fancy fashion writer mm-hmm. could be having a consensual affair with a black man who was the garbage man mm-hmm. um uh he also submitted that McGowan's IQ was in the low 70s. Oof. And so that's why he wa- he waived the right for the lawyer. He didn't have he had no chance once he was in the police. But he basically said but then, you know, so he's basically saying his IQ is really low. Um so he was tricked into all mm-hmm. of this and he's just basically the perfect patsy. Mm-hmm. Well, then the prosecution comes back and says he he's smart enough to have lied to say he didn't right. know her. Right. He you know there's like a lot of evasion tactics or whatever. So he clearly it is not it, it, just because he didn't score well on that IQ test doesn't mean that yeah. he isn't tricky and doing whatever he wants totally uh the defense also alleges that the crime scene was totally contaminated by sloppy emts because those emts came in and put a blanket on chris's body when they first saw her and so the dna who knows whose dna was on that blanket whatever they kind of just keep introducing reasons to doubt yeah um so Krista had an ex-boyfriend who lived in Manhattan uh, who was in this uh, 48 hours who says if Krista was having an affair with the garbage man because he had visited her two weeks before Mm -hmm. um, her murder and he said that would have been the first thing she said when I walked in the door because she would have loved that story. She would have been very proud of it. If she was having some kind of like uh, you know I was. it's not May, December but it's like the wrong side of the tracks affair Mm -hmm. she was the kind of person that would love to talk about that totally so up until two weeks before her murder that was not happening right um so he basically kind of it it was interesting when he talked about that where it's like you can totally see that yeah basically the trial goes um the on november 16 2006 he's found guilty christopher mcgowan is found guilty of first degree murder murder with extreme atrocity aggravated rape and aggravated armed burglary and after the verdict is read um christopher mcgowan makes a statement um to the court where he says quote i never meant for this to ever take place and then after he says that he claims to still be innocent wow which is a really weird way to say it if you're innocent um he is serving three concurrent life terms in prison without the possibility of parole so after that all of that the verdict comes down in january of 2008 several jurors came forward and claimed that there was a racial bias in the jury room during the deliberations Hmm. so all 12 jurors got called back to court by that judge and they all were questioned over those claims and there their testimony revealed that there was racial tension in the jury room. Hmm. So because of that, Christopher McGowan's lawyer 
use that information as grounds to file an um, a motion for a retrial. Mm-hmm. But that was struck down, as have all three appeals that McGowan's defense attorneys have filed on his behalf since he got sentenced. And then in t- 2012, the defense attorney, Bob George, was uh, convicted of money laundering, and he himself mm-hmm. served three years in prison. What? Yes. So the... Very much, I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of things that get introduced in this case, in this 48 hours, mm-hmm. that this, that defense attorney, Bob George, uh, he actually did a really good job of introducing all these possible doubts yeah. into this case. But at the end of the day, it's DNA. Yeah. And his was the only DNA on yeah. her body. And she was raped and murdered. And she was raped and murdered. Which would have meant there would have been someone else's DNA there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it's funny because that 48 hours is kind of old and they, it's interesting how it feels like they keep pointing to this idea that she, quote, had a lot of boyfriends. Mm. That that seemed to be at play in the way people kind of like judged this. Yeah. That and like she had an affair with a married man where it's like yeah she, she was not to be trusted somehow yeah 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 or there was i don't know it's it's uh i didn't like i didn't like it and the movie did that too the movie was crazy the movie was all about fucking tony jackets the well the character that was representing him mm-hmm. and like how tough his life was and how these all these women were making his life really tough and there's oh, a poor fucking baby you have to see you have to see it. It's pretty amazing. And there's also, there's, the casting is fucking fascinating. There's, the woman who plays Tony Jacket's wife, a couple times I was like, is that Bridget Everett? <laughs> you know the comic yeah, Bridget yeah. Everett? Because yeah. it looked like her. And it was this kind of like, everything had a, it, lo- it was right on the verge of being campy. Yeah. And then would just come back every time in, to boring. When they made the movie, did they know who the, the killer was? And then they, they showed that's what happened? Yes. Although I th- I'm pretty sure I fell asleep before the end of the movie. <laughs> Cuz how can you victim blame throughout a movie and then it turns out it's just some fucking other guy. Psycho murderer. Yes. You know what I mean? Which has it wouldn't matter if she was let's say promiscuous or not. I'm not saying she was, but it wouldn't fucking matter. It doesn't matter anyway. Yeah. It's like that thing that happened happened. Yeah. That's the, the the case that needs to get solved. Um I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, I think at the end of this thing, it's there. They leave it super vague. Like maybe he didn't, right? But it's like, no, he did. Yeah, but I I recommend everyone go because it's this bizarre crossroads of. It's almost like every bad reenactment you've ever seen. Yeah. If all the reenactors had lines, Jesus. Whereas, like, you know what? Play with this scene and figure out what happened with you guys. I want to see crazy Susan Jackets gets her groove back, <laughs> where she leaves her fucking cheating <laughs> husband. Goes to an island. Is it Susan? It's Susan Jackets. It is now. Susan Jackets. Wow, that's fucked up. It's crazy. Um, but the little girl, the good news is, oh, yeah, the little sure. girl um, went to live with the person that that um, Krista Worthington chose to be her. The, oh, good. Uh, to be the the guardian, uh-huh. which is a good friend of hers. Um, but Tony Jackets and Susan have visited her and now she's like uh, in college. Oh, good. And she's doing great. Honey. So, yeah. Fly. You're a, you're a bird. Fly. I don't know. Spread your wings. You know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's my words of encouragement. I bet that'll work. 
Spread your wings. <laughs> spread your, you know, spread your wings and stuff. Um, wow. Crazy. Well, I mean, it's almost like a good thing that your ankle got twisted. <laughs> Let me go it's, ahead and say. It's almost a good thing that I watch TV 24 hours a day. <laughs> Finally, something good came out of it. <laughs> There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder and here's the important note that promo code is all lowercase so go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level that's shopify.com slash murder again don't forget the code is all lowercase goodbye all right my murder okay so you know I'm obsessed with fucking infectious diseases and yes. plagues and flu epidemics. Uh-oh. You know I love all this shit, right? Sure. Like, that's my passion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Illness? Uh-huh. Like, end of days shit. Great. Level stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. And right now, uh, the flu, right now in mid-January 2018, the flu is already an epidemic yep. this year, which is fun. I just got a shot did you get a flu shot shot? Mm -hmm. oh good i think it's a uh irritated and i'm gonna die but anyways well at least you won't have the flu when you die (laughs) exactly (laughs) so uh on that note because it's so fun i thought i would do uh you know our good friend uh typhoid mary nice okay here we go (laughs) in the summer of 1906 on Long Island's Oyster Bay. Have you been there? I haven't. I think they take one of those little trains. A jitney? A jitney to get there. <laughs> right? I don't know. 1906, a jitney? <laughs> Did they have cars? It was I made of straw. don't know. <laughs> Maybe a horse jitney. Um, so Long Island's Oyster Bay is the Tony playground mm. of New York's rich and famous. Teddy fucking Roosevelt, none other than, had a, <laughs> his summer White House there. Oh. It's all fucking rich people. Sure. Um, and uh, everyone freaks the fuck out when, in a span of just one week, six of the 11 people in the home of wealthy banker, also he's the banker to the Vanderbilts even, Ooh. Charles Warren's household comes down with typhoid fever while they are there on vacation. Typhoid is a bacterial infection. <laughs> Let me tell you about it. Okay. Due to Salmonella typhi. And it's viewed back then as a disease of the crowded slums and tenements, which we love to talk about. Yes. Um, 
in New York. It's associated with poverty, the lack of basic sanitation. Immigrants assumed to live in disease-ridden, crowded housing are scapegoats of typhoid. So when a rich fucking family gets it, it's bananas. Typhoid is one of the 20th century's most terrifying killers because an infection could spread through a house before anyone knew what was going on. Uh. The first week, uh, the infection seems almost, you know, like just the regular flu. Then there's the fever, some abdominal cramping, but nothing really crazy to show that it's typhoid. And then during the second week, fever goes crazy. The patient becomes delirious. Blood clots form under the skin. The entire abdomen becomes distended. Ooh. The third week, uh, inflammation of the fucking brain and intestinal hemorrhaging, intestinal hemorrhaging. And the death rate of those infected is anywhere between one in 10 and three in 10. So it's really easily spread by eating or drinking food or water contaminated with the feces of infected persons. Ew, what? So think about that in the no. 1900s, early 1900s, Mm-mm. you know, when they didn't like wash their hands and stuff and like water wasn't, you know, cleaned and shit. <laughs> and they all lived in like houses and stuff that were all, you know. Yeah, with, with that, I mean, that was back still when people would get up and just pee in a bowl under the bed, right? And, right. And just like slosh it back under. Probably throw it out the window. Sure. Where, let's, is that when they threw stuff out the window? Throw the baby out with mm, the... Probably. Baby? I bet it. I bet they did. Let's say yes. But it, I like the idea that people would do it in rich houses. Just well, they up. didn't. So that's the thing. It's okay. Like they didn't. So it was really weird that this typhoid uh, was an outbreak in a rich house. So people were. That's why on Oyster Bay they were like, "This is a fucking something's wrong." Um, not here. Not in my family. Not in my backyard. Right. Not in the Tony playground of the rich and famous. Hell no. No. Um, blah, 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 blah. In 1900, it killed 35,000 Americans. There's no cure. Antibiotics didn't exist, and a vaccine was not yet available. Horrifying. So scary. So the fa- Charles Warren's landlord was freaking out that the family outbreak would prevent him from leasing his summer house again. He thought they they would burn it to the fucking ground because <laughs> of typhoid. So he's like, fuck the shit. He hires freelance sanitary engineer George Soper. A freelance sanitary engineer. Dr. George Soper. Okay. Which is like, you sound fun at parties. You right? sound like a, you have a made up job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he's he, called a janitor. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. He's like, he investigates sources of typhoid fever outbreaks to determine the cause. Like, he's the dude who house? is like... Dr. House? Doc, he's fucking house. He's like, come over to the, my house, figure <laughs> out what happened here. Okay. Like, why is everyone sick? He's the dude who figures it out. Like... What was his name again? Uh, George Soper. Dr. George Soper. Okay. So, he's like, um, he's like, what's his name? The uh, detective. Columbo? <laughs> Sherlock Holmes? <laughs> Can you edit that up? <laughs> You can leave that part in. He's like the Columbo Sherlock Holmes <laughs> of uh, diseases. Okay. Okay. Of, I was going to say diarrhea. Diarrhea. What? <laughs> Stop it. We don't use that word. No, Please. we do use that word. <laughs> so everything, so Soper tests everything. He's like super excited about gross stuff apparently he tests the house plumbing local shellfish company everything comes up negative for typhoid but then he looks into the cook who had worked for the warrens weeks before the outbreak and discovered that a female irish cook 
um, who fit the description of, uh, of, of a cook who had, had worked in other households where typhoid had broke out, broke out, <laughs> no, broken broke out, out in the past, uh, that she had worked there right before everyone fell ill of typhoid, um, and had also just cooked for the Warrens. So I don't know why you'd hire a, a Irish cook. <laughs> We can't fucking cook. It's Apparently all pot roast and it. like red potatoes. Yeah, but I think that back then they liked the simplicity of it all. Oh man, such a bummer. <laughs> I mean, Irish. That sounds suck. fucking amazing to me. That's all I want is pot roast and red potatoes. Are you serious? With some horseradish. Yeah. What about Jello with c- fruit cocktail floating inside of it? Fruit cocktail, yes. Yeah, and then of course my grandma's special. What did she put on it? Thousand Island no! dressing. <laughs> yes. Okay, hard stop. That's uh, <laughs> an iceberg lettuce. No, that's Irish cooking, I my want, friends. Do you know what I want? I want iceberg lettuce with Thousand Island, and I want Jello with fruit cocktail. I don't want them to meet each other. Well, sorry, my grandma <laughs> says you have to, and that's my job to make it happen. <laughs> and you have to finish it. <laughs> you do. I, I mean, fair enough. Maybe that's, she maybe that forces was, us to eat spinach as tiny babies and very ugh. few of us have ever broken a bone. Spinach. But you fucking twist your ankle all the goddamn time. I roll it, but it don't break. <laughs> <laughs> Grandma. Okay. Grandma. He was, okay, so he can't find her because she left after the after every outbreak begins, she fucking laters out of there and doesn't give a forwarding address. Soper learns of an active outbreak in a penthouse on Park Avenue where two of the household servants were hospitalized and the young daughter of the family had died of typhoid. Oh no! And she dis- and he discovers. Sober discovers that the family cook was the same woman who had cooked for the other families. It's forty-year-old Irish immigrant Mary Mallon. Ugh, Mary, wash your hands, Mary. There we go. What Ugh. are you doing, Mary? <laughs> and what does she say? And she says, "Ah, I just need to stir the soup with my hand real quick." <laughs> I can't do it. No, you're going to do it. This whole fucking story, <laughs> we need it. Okay, Soper starts stalking Mary Mallon and tells her, and he tells her she's transmitting disease and death by her job. But he sounds very bad at like telling people things <laughs> and explaining in a calm, like you know, self-possessed manner. To an Irish immigrant, probably because he had some prejudices against Irish people. So do you think he was like too nervous to tell her or he was like screaming at I her? I think he was screaming in her face this thing of yeah, transmitting disease and death. And she's this like Irish immigrant. He's like, what are you talking about? Ah, ah. Um, so he didn't explain to her how she, as a woman who was perfectly healthy, could be infecting others with typhoid. He attempted to get, and then, and then he goes on to attempt to get samples of Mary's feces, urine, and blood. <laughs> I think just by yelling in her face that he needs samples of her feces, urine, and blood. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, man, get away from me. <laughs> yeah. Not surprisingly, this just pissed Mary off. And one time she chased him away with a large kitchen fork when he tried to come get her feces. <laughs> Get out of here. I don't know. That's my Irish. Get out of here. Get out of get out of the kitchen now. Yeah, you yeah. always have to start way high and then go down okay. really low. Okay. Since Mary refused to give samples, he decided to compile a five-year history of her employment. Ooh. He found that of the eight families that had hired Mary Mallon as a cook, members of seven of those families claimed to have contracted typhoid fever, even though Mary had never shown signs of the ailment. And with this, Soper becomes the first author to describe uh, a healthy carrier of salmonella typhi in the United States. So the person who can carry it, never get ill by it, but pass it on to other people. So she's basically immune to this thing she has. 
but she has it and is giving it to everybody uh-huh. else. And she and part of her argument is like, well, I'm fucking fine. It can't yeah. be me giving it to anyone. Right. So also, and let me use my whole arm as right. a stirring and spoon. And I just want to stir this fucking stew. I just want to touch the bottom of the pan. <laughs> right. With my fingernail. Let I me t- put this under my fingernails and put it into the stew. What's the big deal? What is the problem? My fingernail ladle. Right. Without washing my hands. Okay. Let me tell you about Mary. Mary Mellon was born in September of 1869 in Cooks County, Cookston, County Ty- Tyrone, Cookston, let's call it, <laughs> uh, a small village in the north of Ireland that was among one of Ireland's poorest areas. She immigrated to the United States in 1883 at the age of 15. Uh, her aunt and uncle who she had been living with died, so she was living in squalor squalid housing in the Lower East Side, fending for herself. She found work uh, as a domestic servant, and apparently her proclensity in the kitchen led her to be a cook. So she was somehow good. Her what in the kitchen? I don't know. I copied and pasted a word that I never used. Proclensity. Propensity? Clensity. (laughs) Clensity. That's a word. I don't think it is. Shit. Hold on. I refuse. I copied and pasted it. Oh, no, 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 no. It sounded so good, and I was gonna. I it left. kind of is like a the, the combination Glenn. of propensity and declension, Broke. but I'm almost positive. When your your search propensity did not match any <laughs> search document, her propensity is that right? Well, I'm never copying and pasting from Wikipedia again. The grammar is odd, so it's not. There's no. Yeah, there's no. It's propensity, okay. or that's the like it. The correction, the correct. Oh yeah, and they maybe they just the correct word is propensity. Fuck. All right. I'm not editing that out because this is who I am. <laughs> Look. I'm in a fucking show. Sometimes <laughs> we get words wrong. It's okay. My Proclenston <laughs> in the kitchen. It sounds like Proclenston sounds like a like for men who are losing their hair. Yes. Like a shampoo. T- take mint Proclenston every yeah, night. Right. Okay. In 1900, she worked in Mamoronic, New York. Heard of it? Nope. Where, within two weeks of her employment, residents developed typhoid fever. In 1901, she moved to Manhattan, where members of the family whom she worked for developed fevers and diarrhea. That's a bummer to have at the same time. Yeah, that's horrible. You don't know what's happening and you have diarrhea? Right. Jesus. The laundress died there. Oh, no. Whose name they don't mention anywhere, which is like, listen, she's someone too. That's right. Um... And then Mary Mellon goes on to work for a lawyer. She left after seven of the eight people in that household became ill. She fucking laters. Uh, Why does she keep leaving, though? I don't know. She thinks she's so innocent. Well, it's so it's hard to tell because it's like, did she leave because everyone got sick? And so the house stood still and they didn't need anyone. Or what did she know? You need help the most. It's true. Chicken soup doesn't cook itself. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Or walk yourself up those stairs to stir itself. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Okay. Chicken soup can't stir itself without an arm. (laughs) And it can't walk upstairs. Exactly. So. Okay, so then in 1906, she goes to Oyster Bay, and within two weeks, 10 of the 11 family members are hospitalized with typhoid, changes job again, same thing happens, cooks for the Warren, same thing happens, blah, blah, blah. Okay, doctors theorized that Mary Mellon likely passed typhoid germs by failing to vigorously scrub her hands before handling food. Oh. Um, 
usually the elevated temperatures of cooking food would have killed all the germs and bacteria and shit. But then they found out that Mary Mallon's, um, like most popular dish, her specialty, her specialty was ice cream that she cut up raw peaches into and froze. So nothing had gotten cooked. Oh, can you imagine those wet fucking peaches with her little like cutting knife (laughs) under and all the nail under her nail stuff as she's cutting peaches she's also cutting a little bit of her finger along with (laughs) (laughs) oh god she had a real proclensity for cutting up her own flesh (laughs) i can't believe i got that word wrong Uh, okay the new york health the new york city health department finally they try to get her to chill the fuck out and she won't finally they send physicians. she won't she's like fuck you to everyone I must cook yeah she's like an angry an angry woman she had to fight for her uh like her life livelihood she didn't yeah, have anybody nobody it reminds so i just started watching alias grace which you had talked about liking and it reminds me of like she came over on a ship in that fucking in that nature of absolute bullshit and yes. she's like fuck you i'm working to like live my own life i mean it's those the ship journey alone uh, is so upsetting uh, for most people yeah. coming to this country traumatizing just horrifying to and then they show up and then it's like i hope you have a job yeah good luck with that yeah also you don't wash your hands enough yeah that's like, right what are you talking about you know what that reminds me of real quick yeah when i lived in scotland there was a commercial that was on like uk tv and it was are you a washer or a walker and it was just a can it was pretend camera like hidden camera in a bathroom <gasps> to see if people walked up checked their face and walked away or washed their hands and walked no. away and since that commercial i think before that i was very like nah, who cares one way or the other yeah. i know if i need to wash my hands right. or not since that commercial i've oh i wash my hands every single time you no just matter can't what. trust doorknobs you just can't trust door handles you just should wash your hands as much as possible and i do i mean don't go out of your fucking mind (laughs) And i do (laughs) but like do your best don't be a walker that's all i'm saying my dad every he won't sit down at we'll go to lunch anywhere he had just gotten out of his car he hasn't touched anything he won't he's kind of has ocd though but he'll go wash his hands before sit like every time you can't even start talking to him Oh, wow. Wash his hands. I wonder if that's like if his parents were really strict about that, like before eating. Yeah, maybe. It's a good idea. Every once in a while, I'll look at my hands, especially when I was wearing cheap jeans. Oh, no. When you, there's nothing worse than having dirty hands as an adult at like a meal. There's nothing worse than like putting a food thing into your mouth and being like, when was the last time I washed my hands? (laughs) (laughs) That's my fucking thing of like, and then you huh. there's only so many times you can go well i'm I'm strengthening my immune system right no most of the time you're not you're just putting someone else's fucking urine hands <laughs> in your fucking mouth and then I mean, from the doorknob we'd all have much stronger immune systems if that really was right I, I have a bit of an ocd about washing hands well you're marty's daughter i'm marty's daughter through and through a hard stark doesn't <laughs> let her hands doesn't mess does not mess okay so new york city health department Sends in physician Sarah Josephine Baker to talk to Mary. So <laughs> the singer, yeah, right, <laughs> almost. That'd be amazing. At night, she was this she was amazing like, hey, dancer. Yeah, hands are gross. <laughs> That's not good. Baker said that by the time she was, she said, "quote By that time, she was convinced that the law was only persecuting her when she had done nothing wrong." So Mary was like, "Hardcore, fuck you." Yeah, um, we're like that. 
Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Baker's. So this chick, Sarah Josephine Baker, her own father and brother had died of typhoid when she was young. And so she had felt pressure to support her mother and sister financially. So at 16 years old, she decided on a career in medicine. Wow. And this, and this is like the early 1900s, late 1800s. This chick is a badass motherfucker in her own right. And people should fucking study her, et cetera, for feminist reasons she's fucking awesome um so she goes uh to find mary mallon and with her help the new york city health department takes mary into custody in 1907 and places her into forced confinement inside a bungalow on 16 acre north brother island off the bronx shore so if you live in had lived in manhattan or been in manhattan you see a fucking island over there like Ooh. off the shore that you can like see it's almost like Alcatraz in San Francisco right so it's all the only thing only companion she has and tell me if this doesn't sound amazing she's in confinement and all she has is a fox terrier and you're like <laughs> living the life can I please so wait I think I'm in that confinement right now <laughs> you put yourself <laughs> in Mary Mallon's fucking confinement we're all all Irish women are <laughs> doomed to live the life of Mary Mallon <laughs> It just repeats itself. Damn it. Okay, so she, it's at, so they, on this brother island was the Riverside Hospital, which is where she's at. It's founded in the 1850s as a smallpox hospital to treat and isolate victims of that disease. So they just fucking put them on this tiny island outside of Manhattan. You can see Manhattan and you're like, oh, Mountain, I want that. And they're like, no, you're sick. Too bad. Um, it eventually expands to other quarantinable diseases like leprosy and venereal diseases so they just like later people onto that island did they really yeah so you get you get some venereal disease and then you have to go so like go stay here until you're oh in the same room with all the other people with venereal diseases yeah that sounds like a party i mean those are the people that party (laughs) yeah um a lot of great personalities in that room i bet i mean i'm sure okay with her forced confinement Mary Mallon, everyone, the media goes fucking nuts because this woman has been spreading this disease and killing people with it. So media goes nuts. Eventually in 1908 in the Journal of American Medical Association, she is nicknamed Typhoid Mary. Mm. That's where she gets her name. So the professionals really (laughs) came into shit on her. Yeah, they were doing top-notch journalism. Good job, everybody. (laughs) Um... So, so it turns out Mary Mallon is immune to the disease herself. She's the first person in the United States identified as an asymptomatic carrier of the pathogen, which is pretty fucking cool. Mm-hmm. While in custody, Mary Mallon, typhoid Mary, let's call her, admits to poor hygiene. She's like, oh. yeah, what of it, motherfuckers? Oh, say it, no. say it in Irish. <laughs> ah, ah. Uh, I can't say. <laughs> that was perfect. That, that, that was all you just say. Uh, uh, who cares? Ah, <laughs> oh, Jesus, Mary and Joseph. There's other things to worry about. Exactly. There's people starving in my country. <laughs> she said she did not understand the purpose of hand washing because she <laughs> did not pose a risk. Girl, you're Girl. the cook. You're the cook. You pose a risk. It doesn't matter how healthy you are. Uh, they authorities are like, let's get rid of your gallbladder because that's where they believe the typhoid bacteria resided in. And she was like, fuck no, fuck you. I don't even have the disease. And she was unwilling to cease working as a cook, too. So, like, we'll let you go. Just don't work as a cook. And she's like, nope, I now won't wash my hands. Go fuck yourself. Ah, fight, 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 totally fight, fight, Mary, fight. We're so angry. It doesn't make sense. Irish women, Irish women, fight, fight, fight. <laughs> And then a herky. Herky. (laughs) 
She uh, is forced to give 163 samples of various bodily substances to the doctors there, 120 of which tested positive for the bacteria. <laughs> she was teeming with this disease. To the, to the hilt. To, to the, the gills. To the gills. To the gills. Um, so Mary stays there for three years until test results from a private laboratory. Yes, I said that. <laughs> came up negative for typhoid. Um, and with this information in 1909, Mary sues the health department for her freedom. But everyone's like, where did she get the money to sue the health department? And, and then and then it's like a secret thing that maybe William Randolph Hearst was like, well, I'll give you the money if you give me like an interview. <gasps> so like he was like springing people. So genius. Could, yeah, so smart. But the New York Supreme Court's like, go fuck yourself. No. But then in 1910, there's a new health commissioner. He lets her go if she promises never to work as a cook again. And she's like, OK, great. She's like, fine, I didn't like it that much anyway. Yeah. Um, so in February of 1910, uh, Mary agreed that she was, quote, prepared to change her occupation and would give assurance by affidavit that she would, upon her release, take such hygienic precautions as would protect those with whom she came in contact from infection. Meaning, wash your fucking hands. I'll wash my fucking hands. No, I just, I felt like I wanted to defend, but there's, it's indefensible. Go ahead. Some people don't think it, some people think what, that her being locked up is indefensible. No, she killed a ton of people because she refused to walk. She wouldn't, it's like she wouldn't give in anything where it's like, okay, well, if you're the cook, you have to admit hand washing is kind of key. I realize it was, that was kind of a new idea back then, but still. Well, the thing is, so she thought they were all out to get her all this shit. You're like decades later, they're like, well, if she had typhoid her whole life, maybe it fucked her brain up a little bit and she was paranoid and crazy. Ooh. Yeah. But wait. It gets worse. Okay. Okay. So they let her out. They lose track of her. Goodbye. <laughs> mm, bad idea. Cut to five years later. In 1915, a typhoid outbreak uh, happens at Manhattan's Sloan Maternity Hospital. It struck 25 workers and killed two of those workers. When Soper, our friend George Soper's back, he looks into the outbreak and he's like, this looks fucking familiar. Oh, no. Traces it back to the cook, who's an Irish woman named Mary Brown this time. She changed ah. her name. Ah. She found a good man. <laughs> nope. Ah. nope. She changed her name so she could become a cook. Like she was doing it. <laughs> now, now she's responsible for now it. Now she's being a dick. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Now it's criminal, I think. Um, it's Mary Mallon. Blah, blah, blah. Turns out she changed her name and during her years of release, she had cooked in hotels, restaurants, and institutions. Wow. So she was like, she'd gotten a, they'd given her a job as a laundress. You make no fucking money. It's really hard work. Doesn't smell good. Doesn't smell good. She was like, fuck this shit and went to cook. Wherever she worked, there were outbreaks of typhoid. <laughs> However, she changed jobs so frequently, so she had eluded the blame. She's captured and again confined to North Brother Island, where she continued to refuse to acknowledge that she had any connection between uh, herself and the typhoid cases. Well, at that point, it's so stacked up against her yeah. that she might as well just do that because right. she's so guilty that the second she breaks, it's over. Yeah, exactly. So after the second, the second apprehension, she spends the next 23 years of her life as a prisoner in forced isolation. Uh, <gasps> hundreds, if not thousands of asymptomatic carriers who had been identified were allowed to walk the streets of New York freely, but Typhoid Mary lived alone in exile, partly due because the public were fucking pissed at her because she wouldn't stay out of the kitchen. Like, if she had just not gone back to cooking. Yes. 
That second time around. Exactly. She, I mean, I didn't, it's sad that she lived in isolation. Yeah. But you, why are you being so stubborn? Yeah. Calm down. Karen. <laughs> uh oh. Oh, Karen's having feelings. And you just, my face just starts to fall apart. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to do it. It just so comes out of me. Your typhoid tears just start running out your face. The devil inside me. <laughs> he made me so mad. Um, but, 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 state of the kitchen on November 11, 1938 uh, Mary Mallon dies of pneumonia at age 69 still in captivity an autopsy found evidence of live typhoid typhoid bacteria in her gallbladder so it, she they were right yeah they were right um, her body's cremated and her ashes were buried at St. Raymond's Cemetery in the Bronx so Mary Mallon uh, it's thought that she infected 51 people and three of those illnesses re- resulted in death. And that's based on uh, George Soper's, you know, looking into it. But she she used so many aliases that it's thought that she the true death toll could have been way fucking higher. Huh. Um, some estimated that she had made have caused 50 fatalities, which I just saw that in a random article. So I don't know if that's even true. Historians say she contaminated at least 122 people and killed five, which sounds a little more likely. So crazy, though. Yeah. So throughout the 20th century, uh, typhoid fever steadily declines due to introduction of vaccinations and improvements in public sanitation and hygiene, a.k.a. wash your fucking hands. <laughs> um, and today, typhoid fever is considered a rare condition among developed countries. Uh, rate is approximately five cases per million per year. Uh, as for fucking Brother Island and Riverside Hospital, real quick, this fucking island of disease off the yes. Manhattan which sounds amazing it right? sounds amazing the island has been abandoned since 1963 after it was a detention it was last a detention facility for juvenile drug offenders in 1963 how badly do you wish you could go and just sit on the wall and like stare at people and there are, you know there's some blacklight posters in that building oh, that you know there's some people out there who have stories of like they were like yeah because well, you know, my mom working in the mental, she worked at a hospital called Langley Porter in San Francisco. Uh-huh. It's up on the hill. Yeah. Kind of. And, um, and people in the sixties used to send their kids. They got caught smoking pot one time. No, they sent their kids to the mental hospital. Jesus Christ. So she said there were in this, in the like m- mid to late sixties, all these kids, there was like an influx of kids that were like, they're incorrigible and they're drug addicts yeah. where they had only done like smoked yeah. one joint or, or just whatever. like we're saying no to things. Exactly. And it was that, like but a they were people. housed with people who are legitimately in need of mental mental health, health issues. And I'm sure those kids were like, well, I'm never doing anything bad again. Yes. The shit that they saw, like, yeah. yeah. Or they were like, I don't know. She yeah. just said it was it's, really sad and bummed her out a lot. It's clearly complicated. Yeah, so these kids got sent there in 1963. Finally, it closed. It's now uninhabited and designated as a bird sanctuary. (gasps) But wait, it's illegal for anyone to go on the island without permission from the city. All the buildings, though, still fucking stand. And these photographers sometimes go on there and take photos. And you can see a bunch of the photos. We should put them up on Instagram of these gorgeous, like, brick buildings that are falling into disrepair. And you can see the rooms where Mary Mallon was fucking housed. And you can see the typhoid wing and you can see the fucking crematorium and it's like it's insanely gorgeous i am asking any murderino who works for the city of manhattan <laughs> to please let me and karen come see the fucking <laughs> island come and get a disease of our own please. for ourselves and since it's like 
under you know under watch and you it's really hard to get on there everything is still there so like people haven't graffitied and people haven't stolen shit from the island that's amazing it's, it, you need to see the photos it, everything is covered in wildlife it's Ooh. gorgeous oh I want to see that <gasps> it's amazing um, bah, 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 bah. it sounds like the island they threatened to send or that they promised to send Dr. Lecter to mm-hmm. in Silence of the Lambs Ooh. that ends up to be that he, they were like fakesies when she recites that thing oh. you are allowed to walk on the beach oh. every day or whatever Can you read? I want to read that it's so good <laughs> so do it again <laughs> and you will be allowed one you will be allowed one <laughs> walk uh, one day a year where you can walk freely on the beach right. with armed guards or right. whatever snipers right. oh god I don't know and she heart. didn't know it was fake either I know oh. my friend um my friend Amy who you met when we were in uh um Wisconsin. Uh-huh. She kn- she has Sons Lambs memorized. I love that. I've watched it with her and she'll just say the line real quick before. <laughs> it's my favorite thing in the world. Oh, I love it. You will be allowed to walk. She'd be able to do that speech right off the right off the dome. It's so good. I, I love oh, it. All these dumbs. Um <laughs> Okay, it's illegal, blah, 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 uh, but you could still see the the building, the room where Typhoid Mary spent the last 23 years of her life. What is she doing there? Oh, man, she was bummed. But <clears throat> it sound, it's just like there's varying accounts where it's like some say she was like actually helping out there and like a maid and some say that she was just like in seclusion and they abandoned her and used her as like a look at Typhoid Mary, you know, when people would come to the island. Yeah. It's like that kind of thing. So you don't really know. I hope there was a Fox Terrier. <laughs> I you just hope won't so. Know. Yeah. And then... uh I also want to mention there's a podcast if you're into this shit like I am there's a podcast that's kind of new it's hosted by two these two young ladies who are grad students in disease ecology Ooh. it's called this podcast will kill you <laughs> and it's just about infectious diseases from history and every yes. episode is that and these these two girls are named they're both named Aaron are like it's just an awesome podcast. This That's podcast great. will kill you. Yeah. So this podcast will kill you. I love it. I like to imagine that Typhoid Mary sat in seclusion in her room on that island and fantasized of all the different things she'd like to put her hand in. So <laughs> then like she'd be like corn chowder or whatever. And then just like mashed potatoes. And then both hands the fantasy is just like both bare arms go yeah. all the way in. And then like she cleans her fingernails in the chowder. Yes. I, I wonder if she like requested like cooking magazines and like read recipes and was like (laughs) stick stick your arm completely in she'd be like this looks good but you know what needs my arm my arm my fingernail clippings and it's not funny people it's (laughs) disgusting it's terrible but But isn't that amazing it's it's incredible also, the idea, this, did you watch The Nick when it was on? Yeah, and they have an, uh, there's an episode involving her. I watched the little, the little, um, scene where they, they, and yes. Where they confront her? Yeah. They, yeah. It's, that was such a good show, and they did that around the small world. so good. She was great. But they did that where they would take those things out of history and be like, yeah. this is what, where you don't have any sense, like, Things before modern medicine right. and modern stuff, it's just the weirdest idea where yeah. they'd be like, somebody coming in, they'd be like, well, we tried to stick a tube in their arm and then they died, yeah. like the end. Or <laughs> yeah. it's just, it was so 
crazy precarious back the then. nick is such a great show it's, i love that I, show. I, yeah if you're into that kind of thing you should definitely watch it it was great also if you've ever taken cocaine <laughs> to the point where it was a problem for you i warn trigger warning huge cocaine trigger warning for the nick opium too you're like i, I could be a doctor and do coke all the time yeah. no maybe you're into opium dens too trigger warning <laughs> So if you love to lay back with a bunch of people dressed in a traditional Chinese garb. Yeah. yeah. Then it'll, this will be hard for you to get through. It's going to make you nuts. But if you love surgery without gloves or anesthesia, oh, this is the show for you. What a show. Or Clive Owen. <laughs> right. Um, that was great. Thank you. That was fun. I love to learn. I love, I love teaching. <laughs> what? <laughs> no. I love saying words wrong. I love teaching. <laughs> I love to learn. I love to lie. I love to make up new words. I love to just have fun with it. Just say shit that, and you know, don't have any uh, proclensity uh, for caring. I mean, I have a real proclensity to just say what I want. And I think we all do. There's a freedom in that. In these proclensities we all have. In this proclensious time, there's a freedom. <laughs> it's so... The funniest thing about Typhoid Mary is she... Um, she had a real problem with proclensliness. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> no, I love it. It was a fucking valiant effort. I tried, but you could see me. Ooh. You could see me making that U-turn from would miles you, away. Would you have made that attempt two years ago before this podcast? Absolutely not. No, not at all. And I'm, so I applaud I'm real you. bias against puns, as you know. And so I applaud you. And uh, no, I think it's the effect that we're that you have on my life. I'm, I'm making you stupider. <laughs> You're breaking down those pun walls. I am stupidering you. <laughs> hard. You know. Real hard. Uh, what makes you happy? Uh, let's see. Falling down and snapping my ankle loudly in front of my neighbors. Oh, no. I kind of have one. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, the thing that makes me happy this week is this book that I'm listening to. Thank you, Audible. Uh, it's sci-fi fantasy, and it's one of those books that makes me that someone thought of this narrative and thought of this like uh you know idea makes me happy that humans that certain humans exist you know it's like so fucking joyous that like people can think of these things and write these books and it's gorgeous and i love it it's called the Chil- it's called children of time by adrian uh tchaikovsky mm. and it's sci-fi fantasy the book is really fun to listen to it's fucking weird as shit it's like post-human space stuff with there's spiders i've never in my life thought i would ever have sympathy to spiders but i do it's like such a good book and it's making me really happy to exist wow that's a lot of like they're like uh uh hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy you know like that that's the last book that's done that for me which has made me like so happy that douglas adams existed and i get to live here big theories and thoughts and feelings Yeah. yeah i'm like wow someone thought of that our brains are bigger than you know in these proclensish times <laughs> where everything feels kind of proclensive. Right. And I know I'm not going to write that fucking book. So I appreciate that Adrian Tchaikovsky has. Yeah. So that really sat down and pounded yeah. it out. Yeah. So that's making me happy. Agreed. Agreed. What's yours? Okay. Mine is, this is a, this was a, a tweet that I received two days ago. You did too. Um, from a woman named Molly on, uh, hold on. Oh, sorry, haunted train. That is so fucking loud. Um, it's me, Chernick, on Twitter. 
and she wrote to us and said, don't be alarmed if there's a body down there, in quotes. And then the the headline of the article that she sent, it, oh, sent us says, sinkhole reveals uh, hidden room below family's garage. That's right. And then there's a picture of shelving that they can see through the hole. And on the shelf, there's toys, but it's also all dark and creepy. And it's like this article. So it happened in Idaho Falls, Idaho. This family, apparently when they like, there's like an inch of cement. Yeah. And then the the sinkhole happened. Yeah. And basically there had been an, a hidden room underneath their house and it's in a place where there's normally not sellers. Right. So they're like, they think it's possible that could have been like a bomb shelter, but probably not. Yeah. And a bunch of stuff that's down there has been down there for like 40 or 50 years. Is that, is that how, I, I couldn't find how long it was. It's like 40 or 50 years. I don't think that they, they were like knew. letters and shit. Yes. Um, <gasps> but they, that's the crazy. Let me see if I can get a year. I they, love oh, it. um, the home was built in the 50s and it was built as a basement home. Then someone came in the 70s and remodeled it oh. and added the second story. So I bet in the 70s someone put it down there. Yeah. <gasps> but they say it's definitely not a bomb shelter mm-hmm. um, and that it's sketchy. <clears throat> and the insurance provider and the engineer are the ones that said, don't be alarmed if you find a body down there. That's amazing. Um, don't be alarmed if yeah. you find a body down Cause there. Because they're basically do- going down there and looking through. <laughs> it. It's It's just... Like that picture of the old kind of water moldy letters and stuff. It's just the creepiest story of all time. So I'm very, uh, as I think you know, but I'm not sure if everybody knows, but I'm obsessed with sinkholes. Sinkholes are truly my passion. (laughs) Anytime they come, I was... I was never more livid. Remember the sinkhole that Mm -hmm. came up off of Laurel Canyon? Yeah, I was up in... Petaluma and I saw it on the news and I was livid because you couldn't go meet it in person yeah I would have meet and greet I would have walked right down there I would have paid top dollar for that meet and greet (laughs) and been like hi where did you come from (laughs) what's your deal what's happening down there is it a are you a hidden river oh or are you something entirely different that's amazing yeah sinkhole and hidden room come on my favorite sinkhole Uh, that's amazing (laughs) there's so many this is a double z's for you it's a sinkhole and a hidden room and because the best part about usually sinkholes fill back up with water because that's why they're there in the first uh-huh. place it's like the water table got too close uh-huh. blah de blah look at you well I'm, it's made up but um <laughs> but it's a water involved yeah, you know that's why sure uh it's erosion but it's underneath okay anyhow there's no water in this in that cellar it's like they can go down and look into it i know it's I'm not like jealous. it got flooded immediately or filled with silt no, I want to go. I want to go down there. Let's go. It's like an amusement park. Let's go. Idaho is not that far away. <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah, that was a fun one. Yeah. That was, there's all kinds of crazy shit in that one. Take it. Run with it. Do, do your thing. Do your thing. Do a fucking herky herk <laughs> at the end of it. Do a herky. I'm, if it's, if, please, if you're going to correct me on the herky positioning. Don't do it. Uh, you have to be a professional cheerleader. That's I'll only take emails from professional cheerleaders. And you have to send a video of you doing a herk. We need the correct herk, and then we'll play the audio of the visual right. of the video. Then you go <laughs> and breaking <laughs> your back. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Herky. Herky. Thanks for listening, friends. Stay sexy. And don't get murdered. Uh, goodbye. Bye. Elvis, you want a cookie? Want a cookie? Oh, oh. that's a little one.